Hey, thanks for joining us this midweek Bible study. On behalf of Pastor Jeremy, uh, we're just thankful that you spend some time in God's Word. We know uh, every time we get into God's Word, uh, it just incrementally, right, just slowly grows our understanding of who God is and who we are and how He works in our lives, even still today. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 12. The story, again, it just keeps moving along. And uh, we were just in Antioch, and now we're going to jump back into Jerusalem and see what was going on there around the same time. So with that, we'll just jump right in. Acts chapter 12. And we're reading from the New International Version, by the way. Yep, yep. The NIV, if anybody's following along at home. It was about this time that King Herod, okay, now this is uh, the famous King Herod's grandson. Yeah, good good reference to be yeah. able to make there. Yeah. That's easily mistakable. Yeah. So this is Herod Agrippa I, and Josephus <clears throat> writes about him in his Jewish uh, history writings. But yeah, not so there was Herod, his grandfather, <clears throat> was the one that uh, killed the babies in Bethlehem, basically. All right, so <clears throat> King Herod, so we're back in Judea, uh, arrested some who belonged to the Ecclesia. Yeah, the way. <clears throat> yeah. The church. The gathering. Heard, heard about that on Sunday if you're watching our message. <laughs> All right, he arrested some of them, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John. So this is James the Apostle. Uh, this is uh, James who was with uh, Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm -hmm. James who was with uh, Peter and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, this is... One of the inner, you know, I think of the 12 disciples of Jesus, and then there's those three, Peter, James, and John. This is that James. He had James put to death by the sword. Yeah, so basically cut his head off is what they're, what they're saying in uh, not so polite terms, I guess. So I guess time frame, if you think about this, uh, you know, serving as this follower of Christ, he's been at this now for quite some time, basically a decade now that he's been preaching this good word. And when I read this verse, I can't help but think about Christ telling his disciples, and us, by the way, uh, you know, numerous times that they will, uh, you know, have to go up against different types of persecution, and even tells them, you know, some of you will face basically death by the, by the sword, you know, and, and here it comes to fruition, unfortunately, in this great man of God. Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus had predicted. He said they would pick up their cross and follow him. Mm -hmm. All right, verse uh, 3. Uh, when he saw, this is Herod, saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. How interesting is that? Maybe even just pausing there for a second. You can see the, the motivation that's there behind Herod, right? And maybe even today in our day and age we talk about people doing things for political gain. I mean, that, that's exactly what this is, to gain the favor of people that maybe typically would oppose him in different ways. And when you get down to the core of it, it's nothing but being selfish. And I think so much of sin that drives us really is just our selfish inhibitions to be able to do things that are better for us. If you could eliminate the sin of selfishness, you could eliminate so much because what selfishness truly does is it places the will or even God himself above uh, or excuse me below our own will that we are constantly having this this battle where we want to do our things better or we see our 
plans is being superior to God. And it's the same thing for sins against other humans, right? The sins mm -hmm. that we commit against other humans are because we are being selfish. We're thinking of ourselves more highly than our neighbor when we're lying to them, when we're gossiping about them, when we're stealing from them, the act of murder, adultery, you name it. It's all this uh, contemplation of selfishness driven within us. Even in the, old, even in the Garden of, of Eden, right? The very first sins that occur both in Adam and Eve and even in Satan himself, wanting to be more than they are, selfishness, wanting to be like gods themselves. Yeah, that's, that's the more uh, important point here, the theological point of how sin is always turning inward on ourselves. But again, what you mentioned at the beginning about just the, pol the politics of it all, uh, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the Passover. Mm. And this is, mm. again, several years earlier, it was during the Passover where the leaders wanted to please the crowds yep. to hand over Jesus yep. to be crucified. And so here we are coming full circle again with the same scenario, uh, but they've got Peter this time. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Now, typically, okay, first of all, in the ancient world, really in most places in the world for a long time, right, there weren't like institutional prisons like Florence, Arizona, uh, big complexes of buildings and cells. Mm. Uh, if, first of all, somebody did something egregious, if somebody committed murder they executed you yeah yeah if you committed rape they executed you yeah and i mean it wasn't you no, sit around it. for a yep. year waiting to appeal yeah blah 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 right now there's was... people saying bring this back <laughs> <laughs> I know. and then if you had mid-level crimes you would be uh arrested it was kind of a prison uh and then lower crimes you would either have house arrest mm. uh which they, you're kind of on the honor system like parole i guess or uh, a little more severe than that would be just to be chained to a Roman soldier. So they would obviously work at the Roman soldiers would work in shifts, but you would always be chained to someone. Uh, so here we've got Peter actually chained to two soldiers and four squads of four total guarding him. So 16 soldiers guarding one man. Do you think they heard about his prison escape uh, a few yeah. years earlier? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> now, and when it, does, when it describes this, now tell me if I'm right here, when it talks about these 16 men, I think I had seen some commentary at one point that talked about, you know, it could be, you know, a whole bunch of them at one time, or they could be working like in, in shifts. You know, we hear a lot of times in the Bible of them saying like, you know, at the sixth hour mm -hmm. or at this, you know, at the different times of the day to kind of uh, guard what time was like. You know, people aren't just looking at their, their watches or their phones to be able to gauge the time. And so potentially seeing, you know, maybe four different uh, groups of people guarding at different points during the day, potentially, too, but so that they could be fresh, right? So mm -hmm. it's not the same people chained to them over and over and over again. But the, I think the, uh, the crux of the matter is that it's saying, like, you know, it's not just, just one person watching, right? It's heavily uh, guarded, a whole bunch of people that are assigned to one man. So whether there's four of them there at a time or 16 at a time and they're becoming fresh or just uh, over being able to overpower him before we get to the next section is really just trying to show you know it wasn't just some simple you know prison it wasn't like you said yeah. just one individual strapped to him maximum security they had him uh, now here it intended to bring him out for public trial after the passover 
So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What do we see the church doing over and over and over again? It's just, it's amazing within this book of the prayer that is being brought. In fact, uh, for our message this Sunday, we're going to be focusing on that. We're talking about uh, uh, this series, The Church, The Big C, and we're going to be talking about big prayer and what that looks like this week. And this is just another great example as we look forward to that message on Sunday or hopefully in our own lives. Sometimes we're just so, I think, timid in our prayers or just so haphazard and we see this church that is just like you mentioned pastor mark just constantly praying and praying for such big things you know this is how they want the will will of god to come about not by their own works not that they're being lazy in any term they're just sitting back but they really do trust that the lord will bring things to fruition in his own way and in his own will yeah absolutely do you want to take the next paragraph yeah, sorry, what verse were we just uh, on here? I just six. lost it now. They just got through. There it is. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. So that kind of goes back to where we were. And uh, sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Okay, that's so comedic, right? Could have just been like, it could have been a voice. Could have been like this gentle hand. Like, what was struck, this? Yeah, what, what, was, hey, what happened? Up, yes, man. it's exactly right. It's like your brother. I'm, I've been waiting all day to punch you in the arm. <laughs> yeah, it's like your brother or like your, maybe your dad, maybe when you're sleeping. Out, just, yeah, no gentle touch, and like no kind words so abrupt and it, it's like there's it's funny because there's this timing element to it right he strikes him on the side quick get up he says you know none of this like take your time he said and the chains fell off peter's <laughs> wrists then the angel said to him put on your clothes and sandals and peter did so wrap your cloak around you and follow me the angel told him uh maybe a little clarification there not that maybe peter was uh, completely unclothed at this time, but uh, individuals would often wear inner and outer garments. And so obviously during this time, he probably has his outer garment, maybe his cloak taken off. And so he's gathering up his belongings. Uh, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. I mean, it's too much, right? Think about that, just the chains just coming off, all these things. Perhaps sound asleep. Yeah, yeah, bright light, too. punch, yeah, yeah. quick get up. Yeah, you're right. Everybody's been there at some point <laughs> in their life, right? That they kind of wake up and you're like in this daze. Yeah. Uh, he thought he was seeing a vision, and rightly so. I mean, he's had several visions or trances, even called them. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. That's what part of me when I was thinking that too. If he's chained to these two guards and then they <laughs> pass centuries. the first and second. So how many, yeah. So we do see all these people that are there. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Uh, I don't know, just an amazing piece of events. Uh, I like that concept too, that from kind of point A to point B, the angel walks with him on this journey basically till he's he's safe the length of one street and then the angel departs from from there let me make a second 
uh, point. Yeah. When we talk about uh, the book of Acts, the title, a lot of people call it the Acts of the Apostles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, at the beginning introduction, we talked about the whole story is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit mm. and how the Holy Spirit works through the church. But, you know, an unsung hero throughout the book of Acts are God's angels. Yeah. The actions, God's angels throughout the early church very prominent and very important. Uh, they continue to appear in the story of the early church as uh, messengers of freedom from persecution, uh, of God's protection, regardless of the circumstances, and obviously miracles. So, well, I love that, Pastor Mark, because, you know, maybe we <clears throat> cast aside that force it sometimes, and we do forget about the spiritual battle that is constantly waging around us just all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. And that we truly do have these uh, angelic beings that are fighting and working on our behalf uh, under the service to the Lord, you know, and how neat that is. Maybe we don't physically see them uh, every single day, uh, but just to, to know that, that we have these guardians that are constantly serving the Lord. They're not just in heaven completely you know dormant mm -hmm. you know our time's over we're flying around yeah, on the clouds yeah, whatever. yeah just kicking back time to get some grapes and stuff <laughs> like that but uh, that they're constantly at work even in our our church today uh, all right let's continue verse 11 then peter came to himself you know he's kind of recognizing this and said now i know without a doubt that the lord sent his angel and rescued me from herod's clutches and from everything the jewish jewish people were anticipating when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Hey. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came and answered the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it Too and excited. exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Yes. <laughs> I love the the Bible does have these humoristic elements to it, right? It's just the the humor that exists in real actions that actually right. have how people react. And this is so real to me. Like it makes the it makes the text really like you wouldn't just put that detail in there because right. you're writing a story. Yeah, and if you're making up. up a yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're making up a story. Yeah, yeah you're, Peter would have busted. She would have opened the door and just been like, "Oh Big my hug. gosh, Look yeah!" Everybody. And it comes in. She's so excited. Like she can't, she she can't get her wits about her. I remember uh, years ago we had lived here in Arizona, and Rachel and I were moving back to California. We had taken a call at another church there, and I was I remember exactly where I was, literally on the front porch of my parents' house, and my grandma had come over, and I said, "Hey, Grandma, I have some some wonderful news for you," and I was about to tell her. Rachel and I are, are moving back to, to California. We're going to be close to you. And I said, Grandma, I got some wonderful news for you. And she says, what's her name is pregnant? And she's, she couldn't even think of my wife's name because she was so excited. I said, no, she's not, she's not pregnant, but we are moving home. But she was so excited, she couldn't even think of Rachel's name in that, in that moment. And she already had this made up. And I, I see exactly that in this young people. servant girl, right? Oh my gosh, Peter's there. She's looking through the people or whatever. Like she runs back. Hey! She's so excited to tell everybody. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen Peter's those right. actions happen before, you know. 
Yeah, that's so and, real life. And so the Peter, uh, the people, the people react. Then uh, they say, "You're out of your mind." They told her when she kept insisting that it was so. They said, "It must be his angel." Uh, so interesting. So the first thing I, I, I saw in verse uh, 15 here is the irony, which I love. So Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the other Mary, they, the women ran to the empty tomb on Easter morning mm. and were the first to discover the empty tomb. They run oh, yeah. back to Peter yeah. and the disciple, the men, and said, Jesus is not there. He's serious. And Peter says, that didn't, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. There's no way yeah. it's Jesus. Yeah, this is great. You're right. Yeah. And so now Peter gets think out about of prison. That. Yeah. <laughs> he runs to the women's house. He's escaped again from maximum security prison this time. Now he knows how and it the, feels. And the women are like, get out of here, Rhoda. You don't know what you're talking about. That's impossible. That's great. Right? That's great. And, and what were they doing in the house? Well, they're praying. praying. Probably yeah, they're praying. for Peter, for the whole for, church. Yes, it doesn't say exactly. So I'm sure they're praying for a miracle. Yeah. Rhoda comes in and tells them, your prayers have been answered. They say, get out <laughs> no, of here. No, we got to keep praying. Ah, come on. We haven't that prayed hard happen. enough yet. Yeah, yeah. It's going to take a little so longer. It's so human. Yeah, yeah, it like, is. It's so human. It's real. It makes it real. Yeah. That's how we all react. So Peter, he's out here. So he, keep, <laughs> he, he kept keeps on knocking. knocking. I love that. He keeps <laughs> knocking. And finally, they opened the door and they saw him and they were astonished. Uh, verse 17, Peter uh, motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and then described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Because all these people are probably erupting time, yeah. now. Uh, obviously, he's just been out of prison. He doesn't want to get caught again. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Uh, this is James, the brother of Jesus, by yeah. the way. James yeah. was the de facto head of the church in Jerusalem at this point when Peter left. Jerusalem. All right. Uh, so in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. So, so there's you know, no small commotion. In other words, they're like, what's going what on? What happened? The chains are gone. His clothes they're looking under the are bench. gone. They're I like, was here. Looking. You were there. We were chained to him. Like, how did this, yeah, how did this happen? There's, they can't figure it out. And after Herod had, uh, had a thorough search made of for him and did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. And that oftentimes was the punishment for you know a prisoner escaping, right? I mean, it's a uh, maybe a a high-risk job with high rewards in a lot of different ways. But we hear this exact same plea for the soldiers that were guarding the body of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that this is what they're worried about as soon as this happens, that they're all going to be put to death because everybody knew that this was the punishment, if you will. Herod's death. <clears throat> then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while, probably like a summer palace or <laughs> something. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon up in Phoenicia along the coast. Uh, they now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a man. 
Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Uh, so, well, the, the physical thing first, right? Uh, eaten by worms and died apparently is a digestive disorder, and it's also, again, extra-biblical text. Uh, Josephus and his writings in the Antiquities of the Jews, his historical uh, writings, um, he references this of Herod Agrippa that he died of uh, some kind of a stomach. And that's so key too, right? Just so people catch that. You're, you're talking about not within scripture itself, but other writings that have been discovered from this exact time period describing this exact event. And I think actually describing it even in more detail, talking about that is the scripture mentions, it happens right away. I think even the fact that it's talking about him being pulled away and that some time goes by before he actually dies, but he is struck right in that moment. And I think it's like five days later then he dies from this, I don't know, internal disease. And the worms seem to be something that's a big factor. Obviously, this is written in there. Uh, I don't know. I think most of us at some point in our life have seen something either within a garden or maybe a piece of fruit itself that seems fine at one point, and then you realize from the inside out it is being eaten away, that there's it's rotten, and maybe there's some literary significance to that too, that Herod, is, he's rotten from the inside. And back to that point of selfishness too, right? Uh, this is a god. Yeah, you guys are right. Yeah, this is, this is a god of being able to think more of, of himself than anything else and putting that, you know, at, at the forefront. And so finally at this point, you know, it, it, it is gruesome, but he is struck down here. Yeah. And Herod was a, would have been a Jewish-ish uh, leader. This isn't Pontius Pilate, the Roman sure. leader. I mean, he had some... There's some ties that are there, yeah. He, he, had, uh, uh, he had fair enough warning mm -hmm. to not to, uh, not to worship idols, not to set yourself up as a god. I take the Lord's name in vain. He was aware of these laws. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, God left him a little wiggle room there. I mean, obviously this is the guy that's going after the Pun. Lord's people too. You intended know. with the worms. The oh, wiggle yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I only a couple verses left here, 24 okay. and 25. Uh, but the word of God, I like that but, right? Just all these things are happening. We have somebody who's put to death. We have uh, people in prison. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Uh, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Yeah. And that kind of, again, leads into the next uh, chapter uh, for us. But uh, the similar theme that we have in the book of Acts, right, of this persecution that occurs and then this growth in the yeah. church. Yeah, this again. is a... Uh, continuing theme, just this thrust, this movement of, of God's church ecclesia. <laughs> Not the building, though we do miss the building. We love our building. <laughs> sure, sure. Me and the other. Uh, but that's not the essence of the church. That's a tool to help us gather mm. and, and fulfill his mission. Um, this is the third progress report uh, in so far uh, in the book of Acts where he's talked about the word is going out, the church is continuing to grow, and there's three more to come uh, before we get to the I end of the I think about it like that. It's a good way to put it, yeah. It's a continuous progress report. The word of God continues to march, and it's spreading, right? Even to those who are far off. So maybe just the challenge for all of us 
in this study this week, you know, what are the ways that we can cast aside our own selfish desires? Because I know we catch ourselves being able to do that, to be able to feed into others or into the church or to God's mission. Uh, also, just how are we going to go about prayer this week? You know, what does that look like? Again, we're going to talk about that on Sunday, too. And let's start really looking into that. Uh, this morning, I got I got two emails that were follow-up follow from the prayers that we lifted up in church on Sunday. And, I mean, one of them was for a young girl named Elizabeth that's been struggling with cancer like crazy. And we prayed this Sunday that she'd be able to go home and be able to at least rest in her own home with the treatments that she's going through. She's been in the hospital going through so much. And she was able to go home this week. And just, you know, praise to our Lord. Some people say, well, yeah, you just prayed for that and then it just happened. But, you know, she's been in the hospital for a long time. And to have that asked for on Sunday and have it happen like immediately, that's such a blessing for us. And so let's always do that, you know, with the Lord of just being able to lift up those prayers as we've seen so many do before us. And so what are the prayers that you have this week. Uh, lift them up on your own. Email them in to Pastor Mark and myself too. Uh, whether for us it's just to pray confidentially among just the two of us or even us as individuals, uh, us as a staff here as we meet on Tuesday and say prayers together for our church, or if you'd like on Sunday, we'd love to have your prayer requests. Please send those in to us. And again, uh, just think about what are those things that I can lift up to the Lord this week. With that, while we go ahead and close in, in prayer ourselves as we lift up just a, a short, brief prayer uh, for you today. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, for everyone watching uh, this uh, study this week, uh, being able to follow along in your word, uh, allow us, Lord, to just be uh, challenged in different ways. Uh, to know that we face so many different temptations around us all the time. But this is nothing new in our world, that your disciples and apostles have faced these things uh, throughout all of history. And so, Lord, for us, allow us just to be not just positive, but be influenced by your Spirit to see and have an outcome that is for the good. That even in times of trial, you continue to allow your church to thrive and push it forward. And so we lift together that, that big prayer uh, for the church today, Lord. Allow it to continue to spread and to grow until your final coming. Allow us to know uh, of the great faith that you have placed in our hearts and continue to uh, just embellish upon by the Holy Spirit. Uh, allow us not to be shy, but to be bold, as we hear in the words of the disciples this morning. And so, Lord, uh, push us to be able to, again, uh, be your disciples here in this time and to be able to lift all things to you, knowing that uh, you still have the entire world in your hands. All these things we do lift in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll Thanks see you next us. week.